You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. <laughs> Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. Do me a favor, subscribe to the John Kyle Report wherever you get your podcast. You're watching on YouTube, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. You can find us there as part of Empire Media, that's A-M-P-I-R-E. Always much appreciated when you tune in. Now, today I am joined by my longtime pal, Rick Snyder. You can check him out on YouTube. He hosts Rick Snyder's Washington. You can also find him on Twitter at Snyder Remarks. He still writes a column on occasion or an occasional column for 106.7 The Fan. So there you go. But I wanted to have Rick on to talk about the sale because Rick covered the sale. He's not involved in it like he was back way back when, but way back when he covered it when Dan Snyder bought the team and he was deeply involved at that time. Anyway, that's why I want to have him on because he can lend some perspective from things that he learned back then about the process how to then, you know, basically the dueling agendas and how to, you know, when can you tell somebody's lying, but also like what he thought about Snyder going way back when at the beginning and just things that he learned during the process and things again, that you can kind of apply now. Now there's a little bit of guessing or speculation, I think with that, which I've tried to stay away from as far as like, just saying like, this is what's going to happen. I don't, nobody knows. You can have a guess. It's like you have a guess. Rick's going to have a guess as well. What I know is that there are four groups in right now in the bidding. Two we know, two we don't. That's what we know, right? So, and I know that it's going to be a major uphill battle for Jeff Bezos, but that's also been out there as well. So enough of that. Now, before I get to our conversation, I did want to just a couple things. Don't forget, check me out on ESPN.com. I'm going to have a story later in the week about the commanders and free agency. Back to the on-field stuff. That's what I like to talk about. So we'll have that. Then on Thursday, I'm going to post an interview I did with Vernon Davis, former tight end, of course, for Washington and in the NFL, about his next movie coming out later this week. He stars with Morgan Freeman. That's kind of cool, right? So I asked Vernon about that. And I also asked him about a role where he plays a serial killer. What was that like? Well, it was interesting what he had to do after playing this role because of what it took out of him emotionally and mentally. Just found it very interesting. So it was good to catch up with Vernon. That will be on YouTube on Thursday. So if you're listening to the podcast, check that out on YouTube. So that's the other part. Now, the other part, and this is just a minor thing that I shouldn't have to tell you, but apparently I do. They're not going after Lamar Jackson. The Ravens tagged him, the non-exclusive tag. That means if they, if he, if he could agree to a deal from their team, the Ravens, if they didn't match the deal, that's the key. They can match any deal. They would then trade him for two first-round picks. The Ravens want to keep him. They don't want to trade him an hour away to a team whose fan base they have pilfered. 
And then you're going to give those fans back because they can then go watch Lamar down here. Ain't going to happen, folks. Plus, this team can't afford it. So, and trust me, like, I'm not speaking in guesswork here. I know they're not going to go get them. End of story. Move on. That's it. Let's get to my conversation with my longtime pal, Rick Snyder. Well, fresh off winning the Super Bowl, I have Kansas City Chiefs coach Rick, Rick Snyder. No, Andy Reid. <laughs> Who are you? Very Andy. Andy's around somewhere. There you go. My pal, Rick Snyder. And I wanted to bring him on because he covered the sale in 1999. Well, it was longer than 1999 because it was going on for a little bit. And there's an interesting perspective that you have, Rick, with all of this. Um, so that's why I want to have you on. First of all, I don't right. even know well, where to start with this because there's like, there's so many things that, that are with this, but are you surprised that we're in this situation covering this at this time? No, it's kind of going along the script. I mean, as we always say, times change, people don't. Humans, humans are pretty much consistent every generation. You know, I took sociology in college as a minor and I thought, oh, this is an easy class, you know, kind of thing. It was, it was basically men suck, sit in the back and shut up while everybody else talks. But I learned in the sociology of how to watch people and ex watch their motives. It's a big thing. And it really has become invaluable to being a reporter. You know, as you know, our two super skills are basically sizing people up quickly and looking around corners. And that's what this game is all about now with the sale. Who's being real with you and what are they expecting to come? Right. And Snyder has followed the trend that I figured. And the only question is, how long does he hold out? Does he go all the way to the interest meeting, which I think before sale, but does he maybe even say, screw you I'm and play the tough guy even longer? But he's going to fold. There's no doubt of that. But a lot of this is it's pretty much in the stadiums. Things are coming around, too. You know, where now it's back looking at RFK, depending upon who buys the team. So a lot of this is is really rolling around a second time in my career. Right. And I will say the RFK thing has been there from the beginning. So even some of the stuff that's come out, that's, that has once they announced that the sale was going on, RFK was back in play, yeah. and it's it's still along with Loudon and then with um, FedEx. Those would be the other two places that I that would have a shot at getting a new site. So you know, but yeah, I mean, it's certainly back in play. I also I think there's you know I think one of the things that it seems like in this process is you don't really know all that's going on. And that's kind of the hard part is to then parcel out what is correct, what is spin, what is, you know, trying to lure somebody else into the bidding. Yeah, you know, for a while there, I just felt like there's another bidder I can't see. There, and I didn't know two. why, but and it turned out to be Tillman Ferretta. And I thought, okay, I knew there was a guy there. I just wouldn't, and it kind of surprised me a little bit it was him. And he may still walk away with this team. I think there are three bidders that any of the three could still get this team with he, Harris, and Bezos. I know everybody thinks Bezos, but I still think any of the three could come out. So, you know, the last sale was a lot more straightforward. It was really a straw bid by John Kent Cook, which wasn't real, and Milstein, which had Snyder as a partner. And that was really it. You didn't have this multiple because the NFL wasn't the valuable franchises that they are now. You know, back then it was sort of like, who wants to buy it? You know, Jack and Cook got control of the team for $350,000. Right. You know, and the team was worth about $4 million maybe back then. 
that's hard to believe. You know, now we're talking instead of four million, we're talking six billion or whatever. Since so more big businesses are looking at this thing that we don't know. You know, we don't have ties into these kind of guys. You know, they're coming from anywhere. So it's, it's been an interesting process. Right. And the one thing, too, and I talked about this in my last podcast, that there are there are still there are two other bidders that we don't know. And I'm not even sure where Bezos really is with this. I wouldn't, you know, because it's going to be an uphill battle for him to get it. I don't know if he will, even if he offers the most money. I think he'd have to blow him out of the water. But there were also two other unknown bidders in addition to Fertitta and then um, Josh Harris. And that's those are the ones that I wonder about. Who are they? And that's what we don't know, because, as you know, like billionaires can keep things quiet if they really want to. That's one of the things I'm learning throughout this process. You know, it's funny, too, because like even with Bezos and Snyder, someone else like, you know, billionaires just fight differently. Oh, yeah, they, they have they're ruthless. Listen, this is this is organized business as, a, as an NFL now. Uh, I won't say organized crime, but organized business in there. They're very much like that. And, you know, I was we were talking, I've told this story many times, but last time I covered this, I felt like I was encircled by people yelling at me that everybody else was lying but them. And the hardest part was who was telling the truth changed every day. Right. And they have no regrets lying to you at all. It's soulless that they will say, I'll burn your reputation for my benefit. They could care less. So you have to be really careful with this kind of stuff. I mean, I spent months living on that edge. And now that you have multiple bidders, it's even more. And what people don't really understand is when some of the bidders think that they're losing, but they know that a guy in the media is really on top of everything, they come to you clandestinely. There was a lot of times I met people on hallways at the owner's hotel that I did not see coming. If suddenly the guy who didn't answer my call for three months now wants to meet me in the hallway. Because he knows I know something and he's desperate to get it back in. And we trade information because I'm not a free source. This kind of thing will happen again. You'll see some of these guys indirectly come to you. Well, and I think, I mean, all that stuff is still go is going on right now. And I think the hard part sometimes, you know, and this is one of the things I want to talk to you about, too, is because you learned the lessons the first time around is how to kind of ferret out the information that you need and just say, when am I being used versus what is this legitimate information? That's that's yeah. not that's not all. It's sometimes it's easy, and sometimes like you have to sit there and think, and you have to talk to your editors and do all you know all sorts of mental gymnastics to see do I go with this or not? Yeah, I mean, like I said, looking around corners is a, has to be our super skill, and you kind of wonder who's you know this guy that's been blowing me off for a while. How's he acting to me now? Is he like serious? So you have to size them up really quickly of people you don't know. But you have to be conservative because I'd rather sit on it. Like I had heard about Dan Snyder's billion dollar debt a couple months ago, easy. And I never ran with it because I thought two things. One, I can't really confirm it. And and I don't I do like to confirm things. Uh, and two, I thought there might be even more. There may be more. I have no idea. Yeah. But I about that kind of money uh, situation. But you've got to be careful who's telling you what, because right. like a bunch of liars in the room. Well, and that's been the hard part, because there's a lot of stuff that's been out that you've heard for, for a long time. That was one of them, was that debt was, was definitely from, because when there is an instant change in never going to sell to two weeks later going to sell, you, you immediately hear, ask why, and you're immediately going to find out rumors, right? 
and and whatever, but you can't always you can't run with just rumors because I think you know the one thing too, and I got a call from someone recently that I had not talked to before. And it was, you know, about a story, whatever. And you're like, the first thing you do when you get off the phone is like, why are they calling me? And what is in it for them? What is in it for another side? Blah, blah, blah. And that's that's the stuff that you always have to ask yourself. And you know, you have to sometimes be content not putting out all that you know, because to be honest, like, and I know you're like this too, like your name, my name, my reputation is matters more to me than just getting it something out there that may or may not be accurate. Yeah. You know, the first time I met Dan Snyder was at the Washington times where I work and he shook my hand and looked right past me. <laughs> and uh, yeah, Milstein was still the main guy then and didn't really want to talk to me, but eventually, you know, the man gave me a cell phone number, you know, and I used to have it for a little while. We used to have, he'd call me now and then about stuff. Um, because they always, you know, this was a new world to these bidders, too. They're not deeply in this either. Right. And in the end, the only people who really know a lot are the beat guys who have been watching everything. And if they're smart enough to be skeptical of it, not every beat guy is meant to be a business writer like this is. I know the fans expect super things from us that we can't always deliver if you're doing it the right way. Um, you know, I'm not going to run in rumors and all this stuff like fans who pretend to be sports writers right, on right you know we can't do that because consequences for us you know the legal and there's a lot of legal things you have to watch out yeah. for you know when when milstein lost the bid he filed a lawsuit and i knew he was going to do this but i never kept any written notes every day they were destroyed because i was not under any kind of subpoena to produce anything at that point and i thought if i get rid of everything uh, I'm not breaking the law because I'm not under subpoena and it's all in my head and you can't figure out what's in my head. So, uh, <laughs> but because it, you know, then I had to meet with the paper's lawyers and, you know, cause I figured Milstein's going to subpoena me cause I'm the guy that knows a whole lot. But luckily the judge threw it out the first day, but the lawyers were like, Oh, don't worry about it. I said, yeah, you're not the one going to be sitting in DC jail. Cause if I give up my sources, my career is over on this and you don't care. You don't care if I'm sitting in DC jail. So you had to protect yourself at all times. You can't. One of the things that people don't understand is if you have sources, you have legal protection about not naming them. But if you tell your editor who it is, they are not under any legal protections and they are compelled to say it. That's a way to go around you and get that information. So I would never tell my editors who it was. And sometimes they would go, listen, this is important. And I said, maybe I said, but you're either going to trust me until you don't. And, you know, until I'm wrong, you're just going to have to ride with me. And that was the only way I would do it because you, there were so many legal things. There's a lot of pressure on this. It's easy to go to the ball game and cover, you know, team loss 20 or 14. That's the easiest day of the week, you know. But on this kind of thing, your reputation will linger forever. If, sure. if we get to, if I were to go out there today and say so-and-so will win this and they don't, people will remember that for the rest of my life. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, and that's that's why, you know, I I – err on the side of caution with all this stuff, unless you, and I also will say like, I don't think anybody in this situation knows exactly what's going on because I think unless you're Snyder is the one that has all the information, the S N Y D E R Snyder has all the information. And unless he's telling people, I think it's difficult because there are people close to him who don't know all that's going on. And yeah. that makes it really tough. You remember our old friend, Rich Cook used to cover the team. Yeah. Uh, I used to tease him about having the same name as the owner. 
And, you know, nowadays, I still look forward to the day that my last name is not a curse word in this town. Uh, <laughs> you know, we spell it differently. But, you know, it's there's so much going on, I think, that could happen. Bezos may end up being the straw bidder in the end that Snyder uses as leverage. I could so much see him going yeah. to the other going, I hate Bezos, screw him, but you got to give me $100 million more to make this right. I could see that. And Bezos may not really be there. I mean, the man just announced they're not going to build Amazon's mostly, you know, empire here near D.C. They're holding back because he just had 18,000 layoffs. Not that he's broke, but, you know, things change. And I don't know if he might decide eh, too pricey. I'll go for the next franchise, which would be maybe less. It may not uh, on that. You know, and I could see Harris. I could see some challenges with Harrison's bid, and it could maybe be for Tita in the end. Maybe he's, I mean, I like him a lot. I've seen him show Billion Dollar Buyer. I heard reputations about him, but people yeah. say he's a bad guy. I'm like, show me a billionaire. Who's I don't, I don't think it's, yeah, I think it goes beyond being a bad guy. I think it's more about ownership. But you know what? Who knows? I don't know. Yeah. So yeah. I just, I, I know billionaires don't make a lot of friends. I mean, Jack no, can't cook. Jack, right. You know. I always tell people that Cook was not a saint. No, no. Cook won three Super Bowls. That made him a saint. <laughs> right. On a day-to-day level, he could be really rough. Right. And he was tough on reporters. I got to cover him a bit. He would, if he got mad at you, besides calling you up and cursing you out, uh, which he had no problem doing, uh, he would go to your competition and give them stories to make you look bad. And uh, at the very end, I said, would it kill you to give me a couple of stories? And he did, and then he died. So I guess, <laughs> you know, that's a true story. So, uh, you know, he was, he was much more dangerous than people like Dan Snyder think they are. Well, and that's a, that's what I always say that in this in this case, like it really is, um, you know, Cook won. And, but he also the other thing Cook did, too, though, is he engendered loyalty by his employees because he let them do their jobs. And yeah, I thought he was the great one minute manager, we used to call it, where he would just MF somebody out for 30 seconds. And then tell them, listen, I know you can do better and I know you will do better. And people would be motivated and they stayed. If you notice, very few people left. And and a good way of kind of, you know, pushing you off that ledge and saying, now go work harder for me. And, you know, he used to do crazy stuff. Cook would even criticize PR for not using both sides of a piece of paper during when we print that. And I thought, well, he's actually right about that. It does say paper, but you really think he'd care about that? But yes, he did. Oh, he did. Because I remember Bobby Mitchell telling me a story about how they would have those little family barbecues after OTAs or minicamp. And he went, he checked the line items for the, for the um, barbecue, what Bobby had bought. That was one of Bobby Mitchell's jobs. And he found that Mitchell was buying some hot dogs where he could get them for like a nickel per hot dog cheaper somewhere else. So we had to go cancel that order and go order those other hot dogs because it was a nickel cheaper per hot dog. And, wow. you know, and that was just, that was for a team barbecue. Yeah. Jack, uh, George Preston Marshall, when he did a lease for RFK stadium, they, they got basically a 30 year lease. I think it was. And the guy came back and told him and Marshall MFs him out about why didn't you get a 60 year lease? Now Marshall would only live about another nine, 10 years, but he would yell at the guy about why didn't you get a longer 60 year lease? Who does that? Uh, you know, it wouldn't have mattered anyway. But I mean, these kind of guys, they have totally different objectives yeah. from what we think is reasonable. They want unreasonable. 
So what do you remember then most about that first sale? And when, you know, your, your early meetings of Snyder and just what, what did you think of him when you were dealing with him throughout that process? And what did you think as, as he was named owner? Well, the earliest meetings, Milstein was really the lead and he was really just the junior partner in this. And, but it became very, uh, very quick to figure out that Milstein wasn't going to be able to pull it off. He, he met with the Washington Times editors and uh, David Elf, my old partner, and I were allowed to sit in the room but not ask anything. You believe this? We're the guys covering this, but the big editors want all the stuff. Well, Milstein in there, I managed to cross him up on a question anyway. And he admitted he had four people that were voting against him. And at the time, I think they needed seven um, for expansion. So we thought, if you're admitting four, there's got to be more. Right. And so Dave and I worked the phones and figured it out. And we did find more that were very skeptical of it. So Milstein was doomed because he would never put cash on the table. That's that 30% rule the NFL is really hard on because they're afraid if, if there's an economic downturn, they'll default and the banks loan the team. And, you know, really, there was a huge real estate downfall. It might have happened to Milstein. So they, they kept giving him every chance to liquidate. And he just never thought they'd make him do it. You know, because in the real estate world, you can buy zero down. And he just it went to the very last meeting where they said, listen, at two o'clock, we're going to vote 31 nothing to reject your bid. What do you want to do? That's when he pulled it. He actually withdrew his bid. He wasn't voted out. And Snyder had really been behind the sidelines. But that's where he really made a big move, because he said, wait a minute. This bid is not with Milstein. This bid is with Washington Sports something or other they were called. He said, I will now be the top for that. The trustees were so exhausted from three years of negotiations of a lot of things, and they were all getting 10% as part of their bonus for doing this. They wanted to settle a deal, and they said, rather than reopen and go another year, they said, works for us, good. I mean, so I give Snyder, that's probably Snyder's best move of his life, was saying, let me take over the bid. And he had to take a risk. He had to go find partners uh, on that that are no longer there, but you know, that was a big move by him that would define his life. So suddenly we had to deal with him more. Uh, and, you know, I was a little uncertain as to the guy when we going through the sales process. But in Atlanta, they uh, finally approved it. And I was outside the TV crews interviewing him. And he comes over to me and says, here's my cell number. I wanted to meet you directly. I'd forgotten about the first one, of course. Um and, and, you know, tried to create an alliance. But he was from a business world, corporate raiders. I think they control the press much more in business than they do with us. And he just couldn't make me do what he wanted to do. And we fell out of favor, um, you know, because he would do things about, you know, what's it going to take? And I'm like, are you offering a bribe? And if you are, how much is it? Because I make this. But, you know, I don't know that he was offering a bribe, but he was trying to create an alliance like that. And I just thought, no. Um so, you know, kind of wore me off. And it, you and I saw things in very early days right, that all right. said was, oh, be quiet. He just wants to win. Right, and right. they all caught up to it. You know, it took them a few years, what we could see in a few weeks. There, uh, that, I do remember that phrase, he just wants to win. And yeah. I'm like, well, if, if he really wants to win, is he going to appoint him as somebody in charge of football? Because that's what he's been doing. But early on, before we get to this point, that point, did you have concerns about how he would be as an owner? No, we didn't really get to that point. Uh, you know, we were just focusing on the financials and the people involved, but we really didn't get a feel for him. 
Uh, and it kind of went quickly once this happened because Milstein's bid was, I think, in April mm -hmm. and voted him in in June. And the NFL didn't have any problem with Dan Snyder. You know, they, they basically were just looking for somebody who could put down the cash uh, on that. It was a little different NFL back then because the franchises, you know, they went for $800 million. And if they had reopened it, I think Fred Smith would have gotten a team with a billion-dollar offer. Snyder mm -hmm. was maxed. And, you know, he somehow got the board to take his deal because the board should have reopened the sale and gotten more money. But they were just wore out and they didn't want to do it. Nobody, and John Kent Cook was a big leader on the board. So, he, you know, whatever John really wanted to do, they were going to do. Uh, and he took he his a new boat to buy. Yeah. I mean, he took his inheritance, too, out of all this. So, um, you know, we never really got to him being that. And, you know, of course, he fired all these people. Uh, right away, right. You know, I remember That's the PR. They wouldn't. Yeah, we were on the eve of camp. At Friday at four o'clock, like four thirty, I called the PR guy and said, "Are you going to make it to camp?" And he goes, "Yeah, I guess so." It's four thirty, and then he goes, "Oh no, they just pulled up," and they fired him. Yeah. <laughs> and a lot of, you know, and we had a new PR guy going into training camp two days later. I mean, there was the intern, you know, Drew. Well, mem no, remember that first year was they appointed John Canoza for one week. Yeah, he didn't even make the week. <laughs> no, he was there for one week. And then I think it was, um, that's when John Maroon came on board. Right. I actually helped John get that job because they didn't know John. I knew John. And I said, I hear he wants to leave the Orioles. He's looking for a daytime or a job. And baseball is an awful grind with the Orioles. And I said, here's the guy you should go get. And they did. You know, so actually Maroon did that. But yeah, Canosa came and asked me what size shirt I wore. And I was like, I don't know. why? He goes, because we're going to have all you guys wear Redskins shirts during the game. I I, and I'm like, I'll be fired if I did this. That's how clueless he was. So yeah, thank that, God. That was pretty. Well, the other thing, Rick, I remember too, and and with, from the owners at that time were un, unanimously in favor of Snyder and and were very praiseworthy of him at when they approved him. Now, of course, they had just approved him, but they seemed to be attracted to the young, aggressive, and some of that brash rash behavior or mentality yeah they, they were looking for some young blood but they were just glad to have it done to be honest there was a real guy they thought okay he's a washingtonian that's nice too uh, on there he's a big fan maybe he'll bring in some of this young stuff and, and a young jerry jones then you know was really the outlaw on the board because he was cutting new deals you know with like nike and pepsi right. and the nfl deals and snyder became his ally you know, and, and got a lot of the goodwill that Jones had among everybody. Uh, so he was, you know, Snyder seemed like, sure, this looks like the next age. I mean, most of the guys in the room, you know, were 70 plus, you know, and I think Dan was like 36 or something. Mm -hmm. uh, there was a change of the guard that they hoped would be something. But now Snyder's, uh, what is he now, like 57, 58? No, he's almost 60, I think. Yeah. He's just a little younger than me. That's why I always said he has to call me Mr. Snyder because I'm older. <laughs> so when we're looking at this now, because that's the whole thing now, trying to figure this out. And like I said, you know, I heard <clears throat> that there are two other bidders that we don't know about. And that's what it's like. But I don't know what that means. And I know that for them to take tours of the facilities, they have to be approved by Bank of America or whatever that, you know. So if you're touring those, you've already been approved by Bank of America. It doesn't mean the owners are going to pass you. But you know, when you look at this, you know, with, with the Bezos part, because again, there, there is, there are some definite obstacles for him to buy this team. 
do you think, and this is some, this is like impossible to really know because we don't know what how the Snyders are truly. Is there a number that you think that Bezos could get him? Does he have to, to me, he has to blow anybody away to have a chance to make it like, how can you turn down that kind of money? Yeah, I, I mean, there's always a number. I mean, yeah, it's a number for all of us to do something. But um, I don't know. You know, the most interesting thing I heard yesterday I didn't know was that uh, Fertitta and Harris are partners in an esports team. And I thought, ooh, I didn't know that. Do they, do they end up having to merge to win this one? And would one of them be the junior partner? I don't know. That's an interesting. Yeah, interesting. I haven't heard that they that they are doing that. Those are two to me. Those are two separate bids. It's just weird that they have that commonality. And does it come to that? Hmm. I don't know. I think they're the bid's going to still emerge. We got what well, we have three, two, three weeks till the owners meeting. I still think a lot of things could change. That's why I put up odds boards on my uh, Rick Snyder's Washington now and then on YouTube. You know, and I made Bezos the favorite because he and Jerry Jones's planes met in some tropical island. And I have to assume both men were on the plane. Why else would they be there? And I thought, OK, they're really trying to move this. Um, Harris, I don't know where the momentum is. But the other thing that's going on right now that I understand is some of the buyers are kind of starting to hold back a little bit, knowing that when the March 26th owners meeting comes, they supposedly want to talk about this. Maybe the leverage shifts a little bit. Maybe at the last minute, Snyder has to really make a move because the NFL says, this is it, dude. And the price goes down a little bit, maybe. maybe but, if you have, but if you have multiple bidders, I don't think the price goes down. That's always the leverage. I know. And, and if it was one bidder, definitely. I could see this happening. Right. How many people really, the only money I have seen on the table so far is for, for Tita and and. I just probably don't rule him out. He's actually got a cash offer on the table we know they, of. I think they've all, again, if you're ahead, going number. on these tours, you've already done that. That's the only one that we know. And um, the Forbes value is $5.6 I would wager that the minimum bid has to start there if you're going to go on that. So the other the other thing, Rick, that, that had been floating to me is like it's just as plausible or just as Another scenario that could be just as likely as that is that in two weeks, four days before the owners meeting, Snyder says, I'm selling to this guy. Yeah, I think that's what's going to happen in the end. I think it's going to happen on the eve of the owners meetings. He'll come up with a deal and it could be Bezos. It could be, I'm not selling, I'm not, not selling. I'm not, okay, my new partner here is, <laughs> new well, owner here, is just, I can so, see it. So here's the other thing with the Bezos part. Snyder, maybe he'd be willing to do it what if his wife says no way? That's the other thing. And I don't, you know, I don't know what's going to happen with that, but like, that's like this, I think that all this stuff affected his family. And so, you know, that's the part that I don't know is, is how strong is their disdain for him that whether or not would they, would they sell to him in spite of that? And is there, again, like you said, is there a number that gets you there? Does it, does it have to, because if it's close, there's no chance. Yeah, interesting you brought up Tanya, because I have heard that she's very much against selling to Bezos, more so than Dan. All right. Because she's, I think, mad more about the Washington Post stuff. I mean, I don't know what else she'd be mad at about. Was her was her prime delivery late? I mean, I don't know what she has against Jeff Bezos per se. Well, that's media angle of that. But you know what? You take your billion, you sail off to the med, and you don't look back. I mean, and in the end of the day, you know, I've been in business 
relationships where you just you take it and you move on. And so I could see him. I guess which is why you're a billionaire. Yeah. And, you know, Bezos is. Yeah, that's why I live in this big house now. Um, You know, Bezos is he's still in it. They're all three still in it. And like you said, there's two two others that are unnamed. So it's more than just those three. It's more than those two that we know. And then Bezos lurking. It would be wild if they just had a presser and Mr. X comes out. Yeah. I mean, because you'd like to think we know what we're doing, but hey, it can happen. Well, I, I brought up the two examples I brought up is, and this was told me early on, like this is a guy who kept the Gibbs hiring quiet. Yeah. He also kept the Rivera hire quiet for a month. And so like when he wants to, you know, because there are, there are people here who don't know what's going on. We're pretty high up. And you would think they would know, and they don't always know who some of these people will be. That's why it's like, you know, um, it could be, you know, I have no idea. I think that's why it's hard to really say, because there are things that we don't know in terms of his thought process. And who are these other people? Are they legitimate? Are they stronger than Josh Harris or Petita? Or even, you know, and we're the Bezos factor. I think Bezos lurking there. But the other part is too, and there's a fascination with Bezos because he's the biggest name, he's got the most money, but it's almost like some people are worried that if it doesn't go to Bezos, it won't sell. He's going to sell. Yeah. Yeah. I think his inner circle on the business side operations is much smaller than it used to be. Yes. The close gang and the football people try and mind their own business. <laughs> so it's a little different than the past, you know, and Bruce isn't around anymore and stuff like that. So Snyder's got a closer group. And uh, you know, that doesn't spill over into the hallways. Right. I think in this one, too, it's even I, I think it's Dan and Tanya and then maybe attorneys. And you know what I mean? Like, I, I think it's I think he's keeping it some of this stuff very, very tight. And that's where the hard part comes into play. Yeah, I don't even think Jason Wright is that close in this situation. He's the president of the business side. Uh, yeah. So that's why we're not hearing as much. It could be, you know, like you say, there's two others out there. I felt the presence. I don't know. I feel like, uh, you know, Lord Vader. But I can feel a presence in the force. I just can't see it because right. these aren't guys. I mean, when I did the last one, the smartest thing I did was get Eric Fisher from our business side at the Times to come join me. And he could speak the business language to a lot of people, which I don't have him anymore. So he's going on to bigger things. But it's. And that's something that that you need. You need somebody in that different circle that hears things. Uh, and it's not a sports circle. So I don't know. Yeah, you hear a lot it's, of stuff. You hear you a, lot, a lot of people and you think it sounds real. It sounds real. But you don't know. And they may think it's real. You know, there may be guys right. like Ant had a, a nugget about, you know, Tillman Fertetta telling people, hey, I, I'm close. He may really think he is, you know, and but not. That's the hardest part of this. You want to be right. You want to be informative. You know, TMZ can go run with the, the rumors. And, they're, man, that would be rampant on all of this. Yes. But I agree with you. We're going to see a sale. We're going to see an agreement soon. Now, after the agreement gets in there, watch. My next story will be Snyder's got second thoughts. Guarantee that's going to come. I I don't. I, I don't think, think it's. Yeah, I, I think, don't. Yeah, I think the second thoughts would come now, not after he sells it. I think I think right, third, be third thoughts coming back. I always said he would have second thoughts about this, and that came true because it, it always does. But he'll have another one where he's trying to wrangle something. And 
what we don't know, it's a very different sale than the last time the team was sold. Last time it was just about the team and the stadium. Well, now you've got all that stadium land. You've got Ashburn in play. You've got the sports betting license. You know, I can see the right. new owner say, hey, listen, I'll just rent Redskin Park and, and FedEx Field from you for five years till I build my new place. And, you know, you be the landlord, you keep the land. And that land's very valuable. That could be in play. The sports betting license, who gets that? That's worth how much yeah. money. And I so that's it's sort of like what's the number and what are you getting for the number? Exactly. And that's the hard part to figure out. I do believe that if any owner is gonna will end up buying the stadium land and the land there and the practice facility, that practice facility, you could sell that for more than 300 million with the land they have out there because it's very valuable. It's in the tech corridor. And so there's, it's, it's, that's valuable real estate there. So that, and I think if you're a new owner, that would be valuable to you because you can automatically buy, sell that and make $140 million profit building a practice facility in Loudoun for 200 million and then going to RFK and or downtown and building a stadium there. So it's like, there's a whole, but that's one scenario. So it is hard to know. It's really hard to know. You know, I just think with Snyder, we don't know all that he's thinking. We don't know the reasons. What if somebody offered has a better offer, but he doesn't like them? Not even just Bezos, or maybe he likes person A better than he likes person B, and person B may offer a little bit more, but he likes person A better. So will he just sell it to him? I don't know. There's so much, because like with the, and we only have about two minutes left, but with the first one, they had a fiduciary responsibility to get the highest offer. Here, he's just going to sell to the person he wants to sell to. Yeah, and I can see the numbers being close. So you take which one you really right. like. I've done that in real estate. When I used to sell real estate, we once had six offers on a house. They were all within five grand of each other. So the guy just kind of went through the offers to see which one did he, which group did he want to sell it to. He sold right. it to a young getting married. So Dan could do that too. Um, I wonder if they if they sell the land in Ashburn. What happens to all those fans whose ashes were scattered by the fields? You know, that's another thing we have to, you know, people don't know about that, but. Uh, it's there's so much in, in going through here. I can't wait for the press conference and try and ask some definitive question, which I know they'll duck. You know, does this come in? It? Does this come? They'll probably duck it. But and it'll be interesting to see a new regime will come in, not football, but business side. Obviously, you bring in your own people for billions. It, it's going to be all I know is the next stadium. The word of the day is PSLs, personal C licenses. You're going to miss FedEx deal and the cheap tickets. Because the next place is going to be expensive. Yes, it will be. And that'll be interesting. That's a whole nother topic. Rick, thanks a lot for coming on. Tell people where they can find you. Uh, Rick Snyder's Washington on YouTube and Twitter, same name, uh, where you get the whole story. <laughs> so I do uh, two-minute videos at least twice a day. We do some pizza shows. There's one up now uh, on there. We do a bunch of fun stuff around town. And uh, I do tour. A lot of my fans. Watchers are coming on tour with me now. I picked up another one. So if you want to tour DC, go to monumentalthoughts.com. You can see that too. And I'll take you around town. We'll talk about football later. There you go. Rick Snyder, thanks a lot for coming on, man. Always, always great info. Thank you. Thanks for having me. That's it for this episode. Thanks to Rick for joining me. And thank you as always for listening. I'll be back. Thursday night with the, with the podcast Friday night on YouTube with the voice of the commanders, Bram Weinstein, as we talk crazy. What level of bridges are the commanders looking at? Who might be back next time?